This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. I'm Emily Esterson from Coverside Magazine, the magazine of mounted fox hunting. And I'm Tara Tibbetts from Fort Worth, Texas. And you're listening to the monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 20th, episode 2081. This episode is brought to you by Coverside Magazine. Good morning, horse world. On today's show, we'll be talking about holiday traditions in fox hunting. We're going to offer you some newcomer tips that we've dug up from Hounds Magazine. And our guests today are Penny Deneg, Master of the Middleburg Hunt, Middleburg, Virginia, and Ashley Hubbard, who's the huntsman with Green Spring Valley in Maryland. And Glenn's here to talk a little bit about the holiday schedule. Hi, guys. It's good to have you back on your third fox hunting episode, and we're getting good reports from everybody. Everybody seems to be enjoying you guys. So good job. Um, Yay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks very much. And, you you know, it's so easy doing the shows with you, too, because it's like you guys have been doing this for a million years. You just are good at doing it, so... So thank you for not making us do a whole lot of editing. We appreciate the opportunity. It's super fun. I think Tara and I both really love doing it. So we thank the MFHA for making it possible, too, with uh, their sponsorship. So we appreciate them. Hey, I wanted to mention this is the last live show of the year. So starting tomorrow, there will be no live shows all the way up till January 2nd. We will have shows for you. It'll be put, they'll put put out on the Horses in the Morning feed and all the other shows feeds, but uh, there won't be any more live shows. And we wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And you guys, too. I hope you have a terrific holiday. And uh, you can now get on with the show. So speaking of holidays, Emily, what do you have any fox hunting themed holiday traditions or any fun holiday plans? Well, we have a, we do a few things for the holidays um, and our hunt, which is Cazaladron in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And one of the things we do is we um, go down to Rancho Corazon, which is in, is one of our master's ranches. And he, um, he breeds Holsteiner horses and he has this beautiful place and it's right next to the Rio Grande. And we always hunt along the river, um, for our Christmas hunt, which is really, really fun. There's always a pretty good quarry and it's, it's just a beautiful place. And then we have a party at, um, at his farm and that's just always a really good time. And then we often will have sort of an informal boxing day hunt, uh, right after Christmas, if we have enough staff available to to make it happen. So so those are our kind of fun things that we do. Um, we also, this Saturday, had an ugly sweater party at Hunt Breakfast. <laughs> so I think I saw some pictures of that on Facebook. Yeah, you did there. Yeah. Woo. I, I did not have an ugly sweater, but plenty of people did. My favorite one was Fa-la-la-lama, and it had a big picture of a llama with, like, jingle bells and... And, you know, 
all kinds of red and green decor. It was it was really really hideous. <laughs> llamas seem to be kind of a big deal this holiday season. I've seen a lot of the ugly sweaters you can get with the llamas on them, but that's pretty funny and fabulous yeah. that you get to go to. Um, oh, what's the ranch called? Rancho Corazon. Yeah, Rancho Corazon. Yeah, they, they have some beautiful horses. They do. They breed jumpers mainly, but uh, several of our staff horses have come from there and, um, and they're really, it's, it's a, the ranch is beautiful and it's right. I mean, it's just a spectacular place right on the Rio Grande. So what about you, Tara? What do you guys do for the holidays? We always have an annual Christmas party and we don't really do any specific Christmas themed or Christmas hunts, but, um, a few of us I know are planning for the hunt this coming Saturday to, braid our horses festively Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll talk to a couple of guests today one of whom um rides in a pretty i would maybe call it a fancy hunt fox hunting parade and they are very traditional and they don't do a lot of embellishment and then we'll talk to another guest later who um sounds like they might be a little more festive so uh we we like to get festive and do do some fun um, charms in their manes and whatnot. I show hunters also. And so whenever we go to horse shows this time of year, we always put fun holiday themed charms. But for me personally, I, um, I'm really entertained by this and the auditors have already seen some of this, but we're about to, to remodel our house. And so literally on Christmas day, we're moving into our barn. Wow. So I saw that online. Is it like do you have an apartment in your barn or like moving in the tack room or like where exactly are you going to be moving to? Yes. We're, we're moving into the tack room in the feed room. It has all the amenities except for the, the, there will remain a working bathroom in the house so that we have a place to shower and whatnot. So it's going to be an interesting, ha- and people always ask me how long it's going to take. And I refuse to ask my general contractor that question. So I have no idea. Yeah. You know, I've all along had a fantasy about living in my barn, which is really, would be very uncomfortable because it's a concrete building, but, um, it's just a concrete block, but I have seen barn dominiums, you know, where people have these fantastic apartments above their barns or alongside their barns. And I always thought that would be very handy because you could just go out in your pajamas and feed the horses and not have to worry about dressing up. Yes. And and I've been putting on a coat. (laughs) Right. And I've been, I I need some practice braiding. And so I've been braiding my horse's mane for all the hunts this season. And so actually living out in the barn will make that chore a lot easier the morning of, I won't have to get up quite as early. Yeah. So, so, you know, we have, we're going to have Ashley Hubbard on today and he, he's from England and I hunted in England a couple of years ago and had, you know, had a great time. And, uh, but one of the things that I learned is that, you know, they hunt, they braid pretty much for every hunt, but they also don't often start until, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning. So they have time to get up and braid their horses. Um, whereas, you know, we start hunting at, at nine, you know, that's when we cast and we meet at eight and I often have an hour and a half of driving. So if I was going to braid, it would have to be probably in the middle of the night, which doesn't happen. So, you know, for special occasions, I braid the night before, but do not braid in the morning. Well, I think a lot of hunts in the U S especially are, we probably have a little colder weather than they do on average in the UK, especially a little bit further North. 
So I think that makes braiding a little bit more miserable. One thing we wanted to talk today about was some newcomer tips. Yeah, we found these. Um, These have been kind of circulating online lately. And they come from Hounds Magazine, which is uh, basically the equivalent of Coverside Magazine um, in the UK. And these are great. And we're going to kind of go through these over the next um, few episodes. And so number one for the newcomer tips is hunting people love a newcomer. The vast majority of hunting folk want to see you enjoying yourself and succeeding. Um, I've had no ends of offers of insistence of assistance, encouragement, advice. Um, so that I have found to be very true, which when we have new people come to our hunt, we just do everything we can to make them comfortable and make sure they're having a good time, make sure they have the right equipment. We lend them what they need if they don't have it. Um, so that is definitely true because I think most you know, I would say all hunting people really want to bring people into the sport because we are passionate about it. Well, I think even, you know, from Susan, Susan Smith, who was on our last episode, pointed out that she was brand new to hunting and she felt super, you know, very welcome. And, and I've actually been following her online since then. And I, th- I think I'm saying this correctly, but it looks like she's now boarding her horse at the kennels or at the barn at the kennels. So Mm -hmm. we are, I I would say fox hunters are definitely a very welcoming group and we're always so excited to have new people. And it's, it's always fun to share knowledge and information. And I think fox hunting is such a, it's such a bucket list item for any horseman, whether you ride English, Western endurance, you know, all kinds of riding. I think fox hunting is one of those things that everyone wants to try once. Yeah. We had a couple um, who made the trip. We actually have several people who are making the trip from Southern Colorado down to, uh, to New Mexico to hunt with us. And because there are no hunts in their area and it's a bucket list thing for them. They want to hunt and they found us and now they're hunting. And um, with the couple that came down from Colorado a couple weeks ago, um, they're both, she's a, a Western rider. She, she rides uh, rain cow horses and shows them. And um, you know, she was in an English saddle and, you know, was learning all about it. And her, her partner had been, um, his mother had been the president of Smithtown hunt in Long Island. So he had a hunting background and, and knew the sport and brought her along. So that was really, that was super fun to have them involved, um, and come out and make the long drive, you know, three and a half hour drive from where they were to come hunt with us. Definitely Um, some commitment. Yeah. Well, out West, you know how it is, you know, as a Montanan, you know, you got to, you got to get in the car and drive some miles. (laughs) So, um, so number two, uh, tip for today, um, you know, how you go to a new social environment and you don't quite know what to talk about. Well, hunting people would much rather talk about your horse than you. Um, and this is the writer who says this before I went hunting, I was worried about the social aspect of it. What would these people be like? And more importantly, what the hell would I talk to them about? Actually, it's shockingly simple. These people love their horses to the exclusion of the greater part of humanity to open a conversation with any stranger on the field. Just ask them something about their horse and you're away. You could pick any facet, feed, exercise, blanket, thickness, kit, injuries, recovery, um, anything. 
In return, it's useful to, to know something about the horse you're riding, such as its name, uh, its age, breed, where it came from, whether it's hunted. You get the idea. That is so very true. Oh, would, absolutely. Yeah. So I would love to talk to you about Lucy. I could talk to her, talk about her all day. I could gush about Lucy. How long have you had Lucy? Um, I have had her for six years. Um, she is 10 and she's going to be featured in the American Connemara Pony Society magazine coming up. So. Oh, how fancy. Yes. Very fancy. So, so we're, we're, we're making it come to life. What he's talking about that we, we, cause I could obviously talk about Simon forever and ever. Cause he's the m- most amazing off the track thoroughbred that ever lived. Right. Yeah. You, uh, where did you get, uh, how did you get him again? I can't remember now. I was at a Christmas party. Ironically, I'll be going to that same Christmas party this Wednesday or Thursday night. I can't remember which. Don't and bring my your checkbook. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. My farrier was there and he said, hey, I've, I've got this. Off the, he plays polo, so he gets a lot off the track there. But he's like, hey, I got this. I've got this new thoroughbred. You should, you should come look at him. So long story short, my best friend and I went and looked at him on January 3rd and he was in my barn by January 5th. Mm-hmm. And how, how is it, how did he take to hunting? Was it pretty much like, was he a natural at it or did he have to get to the kind of figure it out little by little or how did that So happen? he's my first off track thoroughbred. He's my second thir- like thoroughbred, but my, my first off the track. And so I, you know, he, the reason I bought him is because we tried him. It had snowed. It was really cold. He was, it was January 2nd and he just turned three essentially on January 1st. So he was young and he was super chill. He did not care. He wasn't hot at all. And I was like, this is the kind of horse I want. Same exact way with fox hunting. The only thing that's been pretty funny, and you maybe have seen the video I posted a few weeks ago, is we we had to cross a pretty wide, kind of deep water um, crossing. It was a, it's a, it's not like a pond or anything. It's where a creek crosses, but the water is filled up a little. And he, he was a little bit goofy jumping into it. And we, we were all entertained by that video. Yeah. But he's been saw- great. I did see that, but you know, I have a funny water story too about Lucy. I think it was our first season, um, hunting and, uh, I was riding, just riding her in the field and we have a big, uh, cattle pond and at one of our fixtures. And, um, I didn't really, I had never really schooled water with her. I mean, I live in the desert, so our opportunities to experience water is, are pretty slim. And so we went up to the pond and, um, and we were, watering the hounds and just sort of hanging around, taking a little break. And, you know, I let Lucy drink and she kind of started walking into the pond and she kind of splashed. Next thing you know, man, drop. She was, I was going to say, this sounds like a rolling story. <laughs> it is a rolling story. I, I kicked both feet out of the stirrups and flew off. Lucky for me, I didn't get, you know, I landed in the water, but I didn't get soaked, you know? So anyway, note to self. Now I don't let her like, I'll let her drink on the edge, but I do not let her go in because she loves water and she will drop and roll in a nanosecond. And I, th- I think this, this highlights and, and, you know, kind of going back to the topic of newcomers, talking about horses is the universal language in the hunt field because it takes a long time to understand what the hounds are doing. And regardless of where you are in your, your journey or your life with horses, it's definitely something that anyone who's out of fox hunt pretty much can ride. And so it's, it's, it's the, the universal story that people can talk about. And then I feel like for me, when I was a beginner a few years ago, I learned so much 
hearing other people's stories about, you know, one person's horse was terrified of donkeys. And so they had to be careful at one property with the donkeys. And some of the horses were scared of cattle and we're in Texas. So there's cattle everywhere. So. Yeah, it's, you know, definitely the universal thing is the horse. Like we love being out in the countryside on our horses and, and, you know, getting that experience is, is one of the things that people really want to do. Like they, they have this, we always say, you know, cause we're out West. We always say it's like this dream of galloping across the open country, which, you know, like the great Western experience, which we actually get to do, you know, we have no fences. We have no, we have very few roads. We don't have any roads. We have very few fences and we kind of just take off and gallop across the desert, which is like, that is a bucket list thing for a lot of people. But then I think what happens and, and this probably happened to you too, since you also whip in now is that you, you start to watch the hounds and you start to learn about the hound work. And then that becomes kind of an obsession too, you know, like, Oh wow. Like some people hunt to ride. Some people ride to hunt. I would say I do both now, you know? So yeah, absolutely. This show is brought to you by the Masters of Foxhounds Association, which is based in Berryville, Virginia. The MFHA is the governing body of fox hunting in the United States, and it's also the publisher of Coverside Magazine. You can subscribe to Coverside Magazine simply by joining the MFHA. You don't have to be a member of a hunt to join. You can simply, um, you can simply sign up online at MFHA.com. We are welcoming, Tara and I are welcoming Penny Deneg. Uh, she's the master of the Middleburg Hunt in Middleburg, Virginia. And Middleburg has one of the most exciting and fun Christmas traditions uh, probably in the entire country. Uh, they host and are part of a giant Christmas parade that takes place in Middleburg, Virginia, which is, of course, the epicenter of fox hunting in the United States. So we have Penny here today, and we're going to ask her a bit about how the parade came to be and their, um, the hunts participation in that as part of our holiday show. So Penny, give us a little bit of the history of how Middleburg got involved in the parade. Well, it started at least I'd say 30 years ago uh, and it began with a hunt meet actually in town. Uh, it's always, there's always been a close relationship between the Middleburg hunt and the town of Middleburg. I mean, the emblem of the town is the running fox. So uh, we wanted to help the merchants kick off their Christmas shopping season. And the town came up with the idea of our uh, hunt, of the Middleburg Hunt parading down, down Main Street, Washington Street, to kick off the, the Christmas season. So how do you prepare for that every year? Well, it's most of it is is spontaneous. Uh, we take requests for capping well in advance. Uh, we get um, requests to cap from all over the country, or at least all over the East Coast. And we work, we then work closely with the town police and Christmas in Middleburg committee. And we, uh, we also give our field, that is the riders, guidelines for the day. In other words, for example, uh, we expect traditional turnout, no Christmas embellishments, uh, stay off your cell phones, uh, and then the general order of assembly, that, that kind of thing. Uh, the, the last instruction that we give the field is to smile, wish everyone you see a Merry Christmas, and, and have, have fun. Um, we want 
everyone that comes to feel this welcome message to our town. Do you have any idea how many spectators are at that parade? I mean, I've seen this um, stunning picture of it, which um, which you can probably see uh, that Middleburg photo took of just, you know, the beautiful hounds and horses and everybody in formal dress and like just right. crowds and crowds of people. Do you have any idea how many people show up to watch? Well, last year they estimated, that's 2017, they estimated the crowd was uh, 17,000. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when we crest the hill at the head of the street and look down the road, the sight of the crowd is absolutely remarkable. Um, and, you know, 17,000 people, that's a lot of people for our small town to accommodate. Uh, the population of Middleburg is about between 500 and 600 people. Um, and these folks come from Washington, D.C. and the suburbs and um Everyone, it's just wonderful because everyone is 100% supportive. They, they, they come to see the sight of hounds and, and horses coming down the street. It's really terrific. What a great, great feeling it is. And so what about the PR, you know, for, for fox hunting? I mean, it seems like, like that is just a great sort of public relations for the sport because people, do they get to talk to the riders? Do they get to visit with the hounds? You know, is there, is there interaction between the crowd and the hunt people who are riding in the parade? Yes. uh, The time for interaction is during the stirrup cup beforehand, and that is hosted by the Red Fox Tavern, and it's held behind the tavern, and people are able to mingle amongst the horses and hounds, and they can pet the horses and the hounds and ask questions and so forth. And many of these people have never been that close to a horse before. Uh, Lots and lots of children, um, and um, just before we move off, to, to go to the head of the street and begin the parade, uh, my joint master, Jeff Blue, welcomes the crowd and he gives a short talk uh, explaining, for example, that we were established in 1906 and that we are lucky enough to carry on this community tradition uh, thanks to the generosity of landowners, especially those who have put their land in conservation easement. So we get a chance to say that and um, explain to folks why Middleburg looks the way it does. Uh, So with with luck, uh, the beautiful countryside will be preserved for future generations and we'll be able to continue this sport for many years to come. Um, So we we are able to get that that message out. And it's, it's to a very receptive audience, I've got to say. Yeah, it's a, it's you know it's incredible work that that you that Middleburg and and many of the hunts in that area do to sort of stave off what is what is sort of an intensely developing um, developing area. I mean, I, I spend quite a bit of time in your neck of the woods, and I'm always surprised at how it fills in. You know, sort of from D.C. all the way out um, 66 towards Middleburg. It, it, and, you know, talk a little bit about how Middleburg Hunt has been involved in, in land conservation in the region. Because I think a lot of our listeners don't understand the importance of that. Um, I mean, they understand the importance of that to to riding. But for fox hunting, the relationship with the landowner is such an important one. You know, I'd love for you to talk about how Middleburg works on that um, Well, we work closely with the environmental uh, groups in the area, including 
Piedmont Environmental Council, the Land Trust of Virginia, and um, when new landowners come into the into the area, uh, they are approached by these these groups and and by us, uh, and and of course we go hat in hand and say we would very much like to continue hunting uh, your property if if that's okay, and uh, ask them uh, for their permission to do that. Um, and we also, if they are interested, if if they don't, if their land is not an easement, we make it, we facilitate uh, a meeting with these groups so that they can, uh, the, that is the Piedmont Environmental or the Land Trust of Virginia, so that they can learn how to do that and the tax advantages uh, that that uh, that go along with that. Virginia, we are very lucky in Virginia in that uh, there are some significant tax advantages to putting your land in easement. Um, so uh, we're we're very very lucky there. And and I have to say that the state statutes are also very uh, uh, favorable towards us continuing to hunt with hounds. It's been challenged, but uh, but so far has has held up. Um, uh, and we're, we're very, very lucky, uh, because, because the, the tradition is strong in, in Virginia. I mean, George Washington, uh, probably America's most famous fox hunter, um, and, and, and his contemporaries, uh, here in Virginia started the tradition and, um, and it's continued strong till today. We have more hunts in Virginia than any other state in the union, uh, by far, I, any other state, in, any other province or state in North America, for that matter. Um, I think we have 25 in Virginia, and uh, the next state is North Carolina with 10. So um, the tradition's very strong, and and thankfully that that helps with when we're trying to continue the sport, but also uh, preserve the countryside, which is necessary for our sport. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about um, about some of your traditions at Middleburg. Uh, on every hunt, you know, one of the things I've learned in my job as editor of Coverside is that every hunt has its has a different, a little bit of a different culture and a little bit different tradition. And, you know, the, the overarching traditions are the same, but each one has kind of a unique element. So, so tell us about some of the traditions that, that Middleburg has. Gosh, um, I, 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 we're, we're such a traditional hunt. I mean, I, I'm not sure that, that, um, ours are, are, any, any of the tra- traditions that we have are are different from others, but uh, we have a uh, a puppy auction every year. And when I say a puppy auction, we uh, it's an opportunity to uh, bid to name a puppy, name puppies uh, that are uh, newborn um, and will be entered the following year. And that's how we name our pack, uh, and and that's great fun. And we have the children. Uh, the juniors that are involved with the hunt come and show the hounds that evening and uh, people bid on, on the opportunity to name them. And it's, it's worked beautifully and, 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 and it also encourages uh, interest in the pack so that when someone is out hunting and you call a hound's name, they, they know that that's their hound that they named and it it 
engenders in, interest in the pack, mm-hmm. yeah, which is great. Which is great. Um, is that what what you were what you? Meant? I mean, yeah. as far as traditions, yeah, yeah. We yeah. also we also uh, have a night hunt in the fall, um, which uh, I think actually we're the only ones in this area that do that. Uh, we go hunting on foot and uh, usually we plan it around the full moon, uh, an evening in the fall. And we uh, take the pack and we have a, um, a barbecue in the evening and invite people. It's especially great for spouses and folks that uh, spouses of people who ride who are wondering why their spouse is crazy enough to be getting up at 6.30 or uh, probably 4 in the morning to go fox hunting and so forth. Um, and, and what is the attraction of this, of this, uh, of this crazy sport? And so they, uh, folks come and, and um, uh, don't have to have a horse. You just have to be on foot. And um, they experience what it's like to go hunting in a, in a certain way. And we... Um, we have a, a barbecue, as I said, and we have campfires and that kind of thing. And then when the sun goes down and it gets dark, we bring the hounds out and we, uh, and we go for a walk through the woods and hopefully listen to the music of the Middleburg hounds and um, uh, get people excited about, about fox hunting. Uh, also, it's a great opportunity for children um, who've never experienced this to, um, to get an idea of what it's like. Uh, it's it's a and it's a great outreach uh, to the community. Um, uh, as I said, for those who don't ride or uh, don't have a background in in horses or hunting, that is a that is an excellent idea. I mean, that is really a great idea. I hadn't ever heard of that before. Tara, did you have it, a question? Yeah, I just you know we're kind of talking about hounds now, and so I actually had how do you prepare the hounds for the parade? And how do you choose which hounds go in the parade? Oh, that's that's an interesting question. Well, um, we actually don't do any practice beforehand, um, and the hounds uh, take to it immediately. I mean, they they love visiting with people, licking the children, especially during the uh, stirrup cup behind the uh, red fox. There, they. Um, they even find little snacks that they can liberate from this child or that child, and they mingle through the crowd. But the minute uh, Richard, our huntsman, uh, plays a note on the horn, sounds his horn, they're all right there reporting for duty. It's it's truly um, uh, remarkable. Uh, we, I'm touching wood as I say this, but we've never never lost a hound. They always come uh, are are right there to do the parade down the street, uh, even though they're mingling for about 20 minutes uh, while we're, we're having our stirrup cup. And, and well, the crowd loves it. I mean, they love, uh, uh, and that's why I say they, they, I think what impresses them the most, uh, the crowd, is how loving and attentive these hounds are and well-behaved and, and, um, and of course, attentive to, to the huntsman. Well, and how many couple will you take? We take uh, 17 and a half or 
17 and a half couple or 35 hounds about, and it, it varies from year to year, but, um, uh, that's, that's a, about what we, what we take. And then there are hundred, 100, about 100 riders in the field. Uh, this, this year, the number of participants and spectators, uh, were down slightly, um, due to the, we had a rainy forecast all week. Uh, and so a lot of people didn't, didn't, uh, didn't come. But, um, as it turns out, the rain held off for the parade. Um, even though we did have to negotiate a few scary umbrellas, uh, that was kind of a challenge for the horses, but, um, uh, but it, it held off for the parade, but then it poured while we were out hunting and we all got absolutely soaked. Well, that was going to be my next question is what time of year is the parade? I can't remember if we talked about if it's on a specific weekend and then do you hunt afterwards? Cause I would wonder if the hounds would be kind of worn out or how long are you in the parade or how does that affect hunting? Um, it, the parade takes place the first Saturday in December every year. And, um, yes, we go hunting, uh, afterwards. We walk out of the town, uh, into the field where the trailers are parked and we make the first draw right there. Um, and we, that's, that's why when people call and, and ask for permission to join for the day, uh, and come and parade and then hunt with us, we, we talk, it's, it's just like getting permission to, to come and cap. Safety is our, is a concern. So we ask the appropriate questions when cappers call and so forth. How regularly do they fox hunt? Where do they hunt, et cetera. And, uh, because we want those who participate to be experienced fox hunters and, um, and up to the challenge of, of the day. And no, the, the hounds actually, uh, as far as are they tired after the parade, not at all. I think they're actually exhilarated um, and they, they're just happy as can be and they've had this fun experience and now it's time to go hunting. They, they just, uh, they, they, they enjoy it almost as much as we do. And so my, my, this might be my last question, but I've, I grew up in Eastern Montana, a very Western family, and I rode in lots and lots of parades as a kid. And so I have to ask, do you have any good blooper stories that are appropriate for a family friendly podcast? Oh, you mean about things that, well, actually, um, uh, quite, uh, quite able to be on a, on a podcast. We, what we, uh, w- one, one, traveled down Main Street, one parade, um, a couple of the hounds um, actually got in amongst the crowd as we were parading, came down the sidewalk and went into one of the shops. And there must have been three or four hounds in there. And the shopkeeper was wonderful about it. I mean, the hound, actually one of the hounds put a paw print on, (laughs) it was a um, a picture, a painting that was there. And oh, no. when we, hey, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there were also all kinds of ceramic things in there. And I thought for sure they'd, they'd, uh, they'd break something, but they didn't, but they did. This one hound did put a paw print on it. And actually the, the shopkeeper said, Oh, it made it that much more valuable to the people who came in. And they said, that's one of the, that's a paw print from one of the hounds in the parade. And they said they, uh, it, it made it more saleable somehow. <laughs> I was just just thinking about all those beautiful shops in Middleburg, you know, with all the yeah. lovely art and the ceramics and the boutiques. And I was like, oh God, it's yeah. a shopkeeper's nightmare. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, and and 
that's the only time that's happened. Usually they're, they're very good and they, they, um, they, they stick with the huntsman and actually, uh, uh, they, uh, we usually stop two or probably twice, maybe even three times as we go down the street. Um, so that, um, the people can enjoy the sight of the hounds and so forth. And they line up, the hounds line up across and, and look up at the huntsman. And, you know, it's a photo opportunity. Um, and it, it, it works beautifully. They, they really do, a, uh, the, these hounds do a great job. Well, Penny, we thank you so much for taking time to talk with Tara and I on, uh, on the radio this morning. And uh, we wish you a happy holiday and if people want to get in touch with Middleburg Hunt, how can they find you? We have a website, uh, Middleburg, www.middleburghunt.com, C-O-M, not, not org, but .com. So, yes, you can. Uh, we've got uh, our schedule and all about our point-to-point, which takes place in the spring, and uh, uh, the calendar that we are fairly full calendar that we have and they can contact the webmaster, but also contact the, the masters through that, through that website. So anybody who'd like to come and cap with us, uh, that's a, a great way to get in touch with us. Can they come out in the morning and watch you, uh, ride off at the meet? Is that something they can do for the stirrup cup? Um, yes. Uh, you, you mean on a regular hunting day? Yeah. Just, or- just on foot on a regular hunting day. Yes, sure. Yes. Um, it's great if they call ahead of time because then we know we don't have a syrup cup every, at every meet, but, uh, we can, uh, give them good advice as to which ones would be, uh, conducive to, uh, having spectators and so forth and what might be of, of interest. So if they contact us, that would be great. But yes, they're welcome to come and, and see us off. We love that. That would be great. And they can come and pet the hounds as before we move off. That's fine, too. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks so much for your time, Penny. You're very welcome. Thanks for, thanks Thank for uh, you. having me. So one of the things that Tara and I thought we would offer you on our podcast is a definition of some of the hunting words that you might hear in the field. And the term of the month today is full cry. So what is full cry? That is the sound that you, the hounds make when they are on a strong line. And if you're in the, they're all speaking. And so in in fox hunting terms, speaking means, um, means howling. Um, and they have a particular sound when they're in full cry and they're on the correct quarry. And usually the huntsmen and the hunt staff know what that sound is, but you can hear it echoing, um, through the woods, if they're, if they're in the woods or in the valley. And it's that the sound of full cry is just one of the most spectacular things about, uh, about hunting that makes it so compelling is the sound of all of those hounds speaking all at once. And that, that is what full cry is. And I think the, the first couple of times you go out hunting and you hear the hounds in full cry and watch them, or you're able to see them work. I think then it really you really learn and understand why people become so obsessed with it. And just that, that sound is music. (laughs) 
That is so true. I mean, it's just, it's really amazing. It is one of the things hunting out West. We hunt uh, in a lot of open territory. And so we don't get that, that reverberation um, of the hounds in the woods or, or in a hollow, you know, down in, and you don't get that reverberation so much, but it's, you still have it. You still have the sound of full cry. And it's still like when you hear the hounds, my horse kind of gets, she gets all excited. She's like, Oh, we're on, we're full on, you know? And, and it, it's a signal to everyone that you're about to go off on a big chase and it's very exciting. But I think the first time I heard it was in Maryland and I was hunting with, um, with the Goshen hounds and, and it was like this sound reverberating off the trees. It made my, my hair on my arm stand up. Like I was just, it was so incredible. No. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and I went out in North Carolina this summer, Paul, I guess you could say. And then I think it is geographically variable as to what full cry sounds like. And, you know, in Texas, we're a little probably more similar to you in, in um, New Mexico, but definitely in North Carolina and the trees that you could really hear the reverberation. But I think that's kind of what makes it neat is that everywhere you go, it has its own unique sound, but you know what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So also today we have with us Ashley Hubbard. Ashley is originally not from the United States. And so I wanted to invite him onto the podcast today to tell us a little bit about the Boxing Day traditions, as well as some of the Christmas traditions at his hunt now. So Ashley, if you want to take a second and introduce yourself and Tell our listeners what, where you are now, and then we'll jump into Boxing Day. I'm, uh, I'm the huntsman, current huntsman at the Green Spring Valley Hounds in Maryland. Um, this is just my starting my second season now. Um, previous to that, I was the kennel huntsman to the Fox River Valley Hounds um, based in Illinois, um, working for the current president, president of the MFHA, Tony Levy. And I was with him for eight seasons. And then prior to that, I was up in Canada for four seasons. And then, um, yeah, then from there, I came over from, from England. So, so, yeah, that's kind of a quick background on me. So what's your, t- I can't say your hometown correctly. I'll say it like a Montanan. <laughs> uh, so I originally uh, grew up in, in Leicestershire. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, both my uh well, all my family kind of hunting come from a big hunting family. So uh, my grandfather was a professional huntsman. Um, my father worked for a pack of hounds and my stepfather uh, had his own pack of hounds too. So, um, so yeah, so kind of grew up right in the thick of it. And um, then when I was about 10 or 11, I moved to Wales uh, and um, yeah, we were based just outside of Carmarthen there. So. Oh, very nice. So, you know, I've I've been fox hunting for a little bit less than 10 years and I follow stuff online and I see all this stuff from the UK about Boxing Day. So I know it's a somewhat Christmas tradition. So tell us what is Boxing Day and why is it such a big deal? So Boxing Day um, goes back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, it, it The... the term boxing day comes from um back when you know there's the the lord of the manor and the, 
the master and stuff like that. And, and they would give traditionally on the day after Christmas, um, on the 26th, they would give a box, a, a gift. Um, and that box was given to the, to the servants. Um, so they celebrated um, Boxing Day. Um, and that's kind of where the name comes from. And then transferred over into like the hunting world, um, Boxing Day is a really big day um, in England, Wales. Um, for it's it's a big meet. Um, normally, it's it's held in in a town centre somewhere, um, and it's normally been held there for you know years and years and years. Um, so it's it's a big kind of day on the on the hunting calendar. So that each hunt, you know, they can have thousands and thousands of people lined up on the streets um, and the hounds basically come right in and they stand right in the right in the square there and and you know mingle amongst the the, the crowd and you know you have all the horses and everything and it's normally a really good kind of you know good sight to go out and see especially after christmas you find everyone's like christmas day off and and uh, go out to see that and it, it's just a a fun fun way and then not you know before Prior to the hunting ban uh, in England and Wales, they would go off and and have a you know a big hunt. Now nowadays in England and Wales, they're restricted through the hunting ban, so they you know have to either lay a trail or or whatever. Um, each hunt is kind of going to do that day, but but still there's, there's still a huge huge support for for the hunt, and um, it's just a, a big day on the calendar for sure. Do most hunts lay a dragon actually hunt that day, or does it kind of fifty-fifty? It's kind of it, it's it's just kind of fifty-fifty. I think a lot of a lot of hunts now have turned um, the Boxing Day meet into a, a big kind of PR. Um, you know, they use that. I know um, one hunt in particular. They don't actually hunt at all that day uh, or lay a trail. They basically go and they, they meet at a, a big big uh, country estate and they basically just do a fun ride and they have a big gallop around and, and do a lot of jumps uh right in front of the crowd and the crowd line up like kind of like a steeplechase really there's a big kind of long run in and they'll all line up and, and watch watch the hunt come through um and you know that that's kind of a a thing that that hunt is doing i think a lot of hunts still try and stick with tradition and and now Kind of now they have to lay a drag or or whatever they 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 are going to do um, that they'll try and continue that tradition. But the the actual meet still takes place, and you know, and there's like I say, it's a it's a big deal. To, and especially I, you know, I was there in quite a few of them, and and to sit there and to look around you and see, you know, all the all the people supporting there is it it gives you a, a, a good feeling for sure. Ashley, I've seen lots of pictures of Boxing Day in various villages around England and, and, and Wales, and it looks like the crowd is sort of mingling in with the horses and the hounds. So they get a chance to sort of interact with the fox hunters and the hounds and, and, uh, and the huntsmen, uh, or, yeah. or is there, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, um, I mean, everywhere I kind of, um, experienced that it was always kind of a, you know, you know, nothing to hide, nothing to, to, to be, you know, scared of. I mean, 
some some places now because there are so many people and it can get a little you know a little crowded and stuff they have maybe a fenced in area for the hounds to go in and in and for the huntsmen um just so the hounds don't get wandering off and get amongst in the crowd and you know get a little spooked or something like that but um for the most part yeah you can come you know the general public can come right up to you know to the hounds and pet on them and and talk to the huntsmen and, and the, the, the field members and stuff like that. And it's, uh, again, it's just a great, great way of bringing, you know, the town and the, and the country together um, and keeping those traditions going and alive. So would you say that some of the people who were there are not from the actual town, but come in from other places? And, you know, we were just talking to Penny at Middleburg Hunt about, the Middleburg parade. And she was saying that people come in from Washington, DC and the suburbs for the parade to sort of interact with the, with the hounds when they do their big Christmas um, parade in December. I'm wondering if it's the similar kind of thing where, where people in town, you know, might say, Oh, I'm going to go out to this village and, and see the hounds on boxing day. Um, right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I know myself growing up, there was even people, who were, you know, slightly anti-hunt um, and didn't quite like the whole idea of the, the whole fox hunting idea, but would still come out and support or come and see the hounds off because it is a, a it's a special special occasion and it's a unique experience. It's you know that only happens once a year, um, and you know it um, people have their beliefs and 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 can take sides, but. For the most part, the majority of, of people that I saw were always supportive of you, and and they may not fully support what you did, but it was a fun sight for them to come and see, and they'd bring their family out, and people would like to say travel great distances to go to go and see um, see the hunt move off, and and it was almost some kind of rivalry sometimes between hunts that would you know who could get the most people on on boxing day to come and see them off you know and after you know after the 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 day you know you'd hear phone calls going off you know how many did you get how many people do you think you had you know and um it was yeah again just a, a special special occasion and um i know it's probably you know it's not probably celebrated as big over here in in the in the states um but I know, like you say, Middleburg has a big Christmas Day parade. Um, the closest thing I would put my, you know, Boxing Day experience to, to Greenspring would be our Thanksgiving Day, um, where we take the hounds and we, we meet outside a, a church and the hounds get blessed. Um, and we have, you know, a huge crowd of people uh, that come and we stand in a the field there and, um, you know, just all general public can come in and, and see see the hounds move off and that for me is kind of my boxing day experience over here in the states uh, because uh, greenspring we have a boxing day hunt but it's not as not as big as what uh, what it would be back back home do they have more of a, a boxing day tradition in canada because just because canada has a little more of a obviously tradition from the uk Right. The, the the biggest problem with uh, in Canada was nine times out of ten we were shut down already because of the winter. So this, we'd have snow and uh, stuff like that. So very often, come early December, 
um, we would get shut down and, and the Toronto North York hounds actually traveled down south to, to Aiken for the winter. And, um, so a lot of the times they, you know, they weren't even at their home kennels. So, um, so yeah, so it was, it was quite a, a strange thing to, to be so used to having boxing day as a big part of your life to all of a sudden not celebrate it. It was, it was quite a couple of years. It took me a couple of years to get, get, get around that for sure. Yeah, because I've spent I've spent a couple Thanksgivings in Europe, and it's you know it's funny to be over there because it's such a big deal to Americans, and then you know obviously nobody there cares and has any idea why I want to eat turkey. Um, <laughs> but I you know, and I know when we talked earlier when we were planning um, this conversation, you'd mentioned that you do currently have Green Spring has um, a Christmas Eve or a Christmas Day hunt. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, so Christmas Eve is our kind of a, a big big um day for or close to the holiday season uh and we meet here at the kennels um and it's normally a big you know get a big crowd and weather permitting um the the footing is normally you know hopefully fairly good for us and um yeah we kind of put some tinsel in the horse's manes and and kind of uh, we santa claus comes in and pays us a visit and, and gives out gifts to to all the children that are that are here so that that's kind of a fun fun day for for us here at Greenspring. um but um yeah so that, that's kind of something similar too very nice well um that's i think all the questions we had about boxing day i just i think it was a fun conversation and i you know i think it's interesting to learn about you know your history and your family's history and is anyone in your family still hunting yeah so um my father um, still hunts. He hunts currently hunts with the corn. Um, and my my mum, she's um, she's still an avid hunter, and she actually hunts with a foot pack, uh, with a beagle pack that I actually hunted when I was over there. The Glen Kellen beagles in Wales. And my stepfather now is master of the Tyvee side foxhounds uh, in Wales, and he's just starting his second season there now in the mastership. But again, he's hunted all his whole life too. So, um, yeah, my my grandfather, he's retired from hunt service now, but he still helps out down at the local kennels and, and follows when he can. So, um, yeah, it's still still very, you know, still in the family. And, and um, I've got two young children myself, and hopefully it will continue for sure. Are either of your kids riding yet? They not quite yet. Uh, Olivia, um, she's just getting in, into it now. She's uh, she's six now, and William is three. Um, and yeah, we've got a got a little pony here, and and uh, so we're hopefully this this coming summer now we'll get her going, and and uh, she'll be out there with me too. So I will say some of my favorite pictures from Boxing Day hunts are the kids with their fantastic little hunt outfits on and the adorable fuzzy ponies getting led yeah. by an adult. I wish we, yeah, I no. wish we saw more of that in the United States. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was always fun. I, you know, I have still have memories of myself on, on, your, on a little pony being led around, um, by my dad on, on the lead line. And, you know, he, he'd run all day with trying to keep up with them. And, um, I just thought it was great, you know? So yeah, no, lots, lots of happy memories from, from back home. And, it, um, but do you I ever get back? 
Um, I went back last year. I was back last year. Um, went back in the summer and uh, visited, you know, family and friends. And um, yeah, but uh, it, it's tough to get back. You know, it's so busy here too. So. Well, I'm sure it's hard to go during hunt season because you're so busy at the same time. Right, right. So it's. Um, but no, we're 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 lucky, and we we uh, we get to go, you know try to go back every couple of years if we can. So. Well, Ashley, if folks in the audience want to find more about um, Green Spring or about you, how would they best um, get in contact? Um, you can go on Green Spring. Um, there's a, a website, um, GSV. Um, just look us up on there, or you can go to the MFHA, um, and they can put you in someone in contact with through the hunt there. Wonderful. Well, thank you, and we appreciate your time. You can find Coverside Magazine online at issue, issuu.com slash ecoveredside, or you can read the digital edition at www.ecoveredside.net. And coming up in the spring issue, which will be available in late February, early March, we have a wrap-up of the Grand Championship Hound Performance Trials. And one of our guests today, Ashley Hubbard, was actually the huntsman for that. And um, that was a really exciting event. And we talk about, in the magazine, we'll be talking about how that was judged. And we'll we talk <laughs> to several of the judges um, who were involved in that. And then we'll also have a great photo essay, uh, by photographers who were at the performance trials of all the activities that happened there. Um, in addition to that, we will have a great story about Ellie May, who is a fox hunting mule. It's part of a new series we're doing at Coverside, where we're f- focusing on on some of the horses you find in the f- hunt field. In this case, some of the mules you might find in the hunt field. And uh, what else do we have? We have MFHA News, and we'll have a wrap-up of the annual meeting, which takes place in New York in January, and lots of other good stuff. So if you want to subscribe to Coverside, all you have to do is go online to MFHA.com and hit subscribe, and you can uh, get the magazine and become a subscribing member of the MFHA. You don't have to be a member of a hunt. You can just be an individual. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And if you miss the live show, you can still listen to the recorded version on our website, our affiliate websites, or any podcast player. You never need to miss an episode. Tara can be found at BigSkyBootCity.com, or you can just search for me on Facebook. Thanks to our sponsor, MFHA.com. See you next time. Good night. Good night.